Welcome to the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, where it's all about slashing your debt, slashing your taxes, and creating a liberated lifestyle. And now, your host, who met his wife while training for the 400 meters in Seattle and is eating gluten-free whilst lusting after bread, Dave Denniston. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping doctors like you slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. Well, if you, you follow me at all, you, you've known I've really gained a passion and an interest in land, and part of that has been being in a mastermind groups and facilitating even some of my own. And our next guest, she is no stranger to that, but she's also a dual board certified anesthesiologist and interventional pain medicine physician. She's an author contributing to several uh, medical books. She's a speaker. She's a podcaster. She's an entrepreneur, and she's helping to facilitate masterminds. She's someone that uh, graduated from University of Puerto Rico, was chief resident in Oregon, uh, and uh, did a fellowship there afterwards. Please help me welcome Dr. Mirdales Ramirez Diaz. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks a lot. I think I think I reversed that. Diaz Ramirez is what I should have said. My apologies. Yes, yes. You know, it's it's a variation of many that I've had. You know, <laughs> I, I could tell you, you're the first one who's ever done something like that with my name. But <laughs> hey, you know, you got to be the first. I'm for sorry. Some, I, you know? I'm gonna disappoint you, but you're not the first one. <laughs> oh, all right, all right, all right. So, Dr. Diaz Ramirez, tell tell us a little bit about uh, growing up. So, where did you? grow up and what was that like? Well, as you said, I am from Puerto Rico. That's where I grew up with a family of four children. I was the oldest, eldest, oldest. <laughs> and then my parents, they were entrepreneurs, you know, growing up. My father was a land surveyor for most of his life. And he actually graduated from medicine after I had done my degree. When I was little, he started his career in medicine, but then he put that aside to raise the family. And then after I started in medical school, then he decided, and you know what, this is for me. And he never practiced medicine because then he realized he didn't want to be on call, <laughs> but for the residency, but he, he followed, you know, he achieved his dream. And that's one of the things I come from a family of dreamers. Uh, there was a lot of entrepreneurship, different businesses going on. Not necessarily the financial education, which uh, was missing out of those businesses for them to be successful, but a lot of passion, certainly a lot of passion. And uh, I worked growing up in so many different things. Whenever, um, you know, talking about real estate, we didn't have land. We had a building and that building had different businesses. And I worked, I think, at almost every single business from very young. Uh, from my parents' own businesses uh, to then the ones that they had there. Like if there was, if they would have, uh, for example, a, at the time, there were the travel agencies and they would print, you know, like hand print your tickets, which were triplicates. And they had these red little things that you would write. So they hired me because at the time I used to have very nice handwriting and then I worked there doing that so I was like very focused in whatever was like a business I loved it so that I grew up in that type of environment but sciences call me I really 
loved sciences. And I think my dad was an inspiration to there. You know, he always talked to me about science, having the passion himself for uh, being a physician and eventually became one. So I'm curious to know, like growing up, I think of Puerto Rico as beautiful island nation. You know, it's a U.S. territory. So they're in a close relationship with the U.S. And I think of, of course, all the weather challenges that happened in Puerto Rico. Like, did, did you guys live through quite a few uh, hurricanes and stuff like that? And some of the things that we've seen, you know, the last 10, 15 years? So the one I remember, I, I've been in the United States now since 1997. So for me, it was the big one was Hurricane Hugo. And uh, we were fortunate because our homes have always been, you know, cement, brick, cement uh, homes. So really the the preparation we were fortunate to have access to that and not have trouble if anything was you know you wouldn't have electricity for some days or water for some days and then we would be having the resources to be able to deal with that but i remember hurricane hugo specifically because we would probably we shouldn't have done it but we would look out of the window you know while while the hurricane was like in all all its power was coming through and we would see you know those dishes the, the satellite dishes and they would close like like a like a clam black 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 on the on the roofs and you would see them like cluck 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 and then suddenly it was gone or you would see you know that was for the different neighbors houses everybody had that that type of technology at the time and we also had like the sliding doors for the, the 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 garage doors so you would see how they the wind would push them and push them inside into the the houses and all, all our neighbors but one thing with hurricanes growing up and what i know about them is like we would be able to get ready for them so we would cover and protect and and that was something that i'm going to tell you like right now nobody should die in a hurricane um, you know, we see them with with time. I was lucky enough that if there was any earthquakes, for example, because we're very close to, in Puerto Rico, we're very close to that uh, fault, it was very minor. So I really never saw any major earthquakes like the ones that they've seen recently. And after any disaster, people would really come together. So that was really something that, that we would see. That was fortunate to have that you know everybody would you know what do you need are you okay and and just come together interesting wow i have to imagine just all that rebuilding that happens you know with with those situations i mean there's probably a lot of entrepreneurship beyond what you experience just because people having to restart all the time you know rebuild this add in that you know kind of a thing is is that true in puerto rico or is it just laid back culture or both you know, like how, how would you describe entrepreneurship in, in Puerto Rico? Well, most of my adult life, I lived in the United States now in mainland. The, we're going through that in Florida where we had recent, that's where I am right now. And then we had recent hurricanes destroying everything here. And, you know, the south of us, you know, we're very fortunate once again that we didn't get the fury of that Hurricane Ian like others did. But it's, you know, you live in the island, you have your family and friends there. That's where you're going to be and you have to make it work. So if something gets destroyed, then you rebuild and you keep going. Yeah, that's that's the way it is uh, for most people. There's some other pressures that have happened through the years. You know, there's socio-political, economic pressures that have uh, driven a lot of the islanders to come back up to the mainland. And now resources are very scarce in the island. In terms of medicine, for example, I can tell you that there's almost no neurosurgeons in the island. And and from friends, they've told me that only 25% of the strokes 
or CVAs, the cerebrovascular accidents are really treated. Like 75% are not treated. And the waiting for doctors is very long waiting. I have, you know, all these friends who have moved there from the States, they're, they're really, you know, in these bubbles, I call them. And in the bubbles, you're, you know, like you're great, you're, you're doing fine. Uh, but then getting medical care for them, it was like, you know, they have to readjust their, their priorities and, and understand what's available because you cannot see maybe that type of doctor for some months. But the truth is that uh, resources are scarce, but if you want your family and friends, that's what you do. You survive, and you're going to be an entrepreneur as much as you can, right? Mm-hmm. Well, growing up in that environment, like what, what did you learn about money? What, what was that like growing up? So I learned that money education is very important, financial education, and we didn't have any. That's what happened. I come from a family of, as I said, dreamers and very entrepreneurial, but the financial education was not there. There were some other limitations also for the family in terms of, you know, the the leadership of the family not having certain ability to make good choices at times. So even though uh, my family actually was probably making much more money than what I make these days growing up, it was not really something that was well planned for the future. There was, if we talk about the buckets of, you know, the buckets of investment and the buckets of the necessities and the buckets of in dreaming and all that stuff, we, we you know, there was a lot of dreaming <laughs> there and not much investment or organizing. Um, so what I learned is that you can know, you can have a lot of connections. For example, you can have a lot of passion for your business, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be successful later if you don't have the financial education. And unfortunately, you know, my grandparents had very humble beginnings. And then my father was really wanting always more for us. And he was able to provide a lot of times for us. But then it, it was like, you know, like cycles or up and down. And it wasn't really something that was a consistent constant and we suffered now, you know, not we, but they have suffered with the lack of preparation for the future. So it's, it was, that's what we learned that we had no financial education and now we had to do that later in life. Well, it's interesting in a lot of Asian families, for example, you know, that you often are taking care of your parents or grandparents or whatever, particularly if you're doing well, Latino culture, I think of being similar too to that. You know, you're often the, they don't have enough money. And so you're helping, helping them out. The yes. next generation is, is, is that something that, that you've had to carry with you, you know, as an adult, you know, in terms of helping out family, these dreamers that had great intentions, but couldn't, you know, save and whatnot. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how it goes. And what happens is that as physicians, you're in this career of being a physician. So you're studying, 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 and you go all the way down, all the way through, right? And I went from that lack of knowledge to more lack of knowledge. So I went all the way through medical school. Nobody taught to us about any financial, you know, how to invest or how to save or, or, or any of these other concepts. We were just studying medicine. And then you graduate and then you start working and then you keep going, uh, not necessarily mingling with the right people. You know, you, you just keep doing your things and, and living out of in that dream bucket. And eventually is when we find, a, you know, financial education much later in life, in our, in our careers. So we have carried a lot of that. And, and it's not only 
one family that you're feeding at times. You're, you're feeding more families uh, when you're at this point. Yeah, absolutely. So you did you do your medical school at in Puerto Rico at the, the university? I did. Yeah, I did at the university in Puerto Rico. Then I made my internship there in anesthesiology. Then after that, I went to Oregon, Oregon Health and Science. It was funny because I graduated from my uh, anesthesia residency from Oregon Health and Sciences University. And then I graduated from my fellowship a year later from Oregon Health and Science University. They dropped the S <laughs> right there in the middle. And then now, these days, I'm doing um, functional medicine, which is a passion of mine. So I've been doing med- uh, interventional pain management for over 20 years. And I decided to get out of the system to be able to give the patients the care that I really want to give them. Uh, it's a passion of mine. And that's what we're doing these days. So we have this new institute, it's called Sahavida Institute in Sarasota, Florida. It's a wellness center. And that's that's where we're practicing these days. Interesting. So in medical school in Puerto Rico, like college is just so crazy expensive here. Like here, my, my oldest daughter, we were talking pre-chat, you know, she's about to be, she is a high school senior about to be leaving the nest here shortly. And the cost of a private school, you know, is like 70, 80 grand and medical school about the same nowadays. Like, does it cost a lot in Puerto Rico or what's that like, you know, going, uh, going to medical school there? Well, it costs, you know, let's, let's, think that you're like in-state so for the in-state which is the one that I went to was much lower than the private ones there were like uh, three other private ones so at the time it's four medical schools I, I think most of them are still open so it's three private schools one public school and it's in-state so I went to that one because also the education was always thought to be the best education and I always had the mindset that I was never going to leave the island I was always going to be there living forever and be happily ever after in the island Uh, so that's what I said okay I'm just going to apply to one school and to one internship and to one everything was just one because that's what I wanted I did have the um, opportunity to, you know, like it was um, my my grandfather, he had these connections and they wanted me to go to Johns Hopkins and everything was going to be paid, but I fell in love and I stayed there. Um, and it has paid off. That's That's been okay. You know, I still have the guy, so that worked out. In terms of the money, how much I had to pay for medical school, I was very fortunate. My debt was $20,000 at the end of medical school. So I had scholarships through medical school, courtesy of the... Puerto Rico government. So I'm very grateful fantastic, to them. Fantastic. Fantastic. And then normally I think of, because Puerto Rico is a territory of the U.S., like most countries, right, if you do medical school someplace else, like you try and get matched in residency and they only let in so many a year and it's like this ultra competitive process. Like was was it, how hard was it at that time? I know this is a while back, but like, was, was it hard getting matched or, you know, into residency and fellowship or what was that like? Well, in Puerto Rico, where I applied at the time, the two programs that I applied for, so I wanted to stay. And as I said, like I only applied to one thing that I wanted and I was fortunate to get to get to the two things that I wanted and they, they were not in the match. There were some other programs that were in the match. I applied for anesthesia, uh, anesthesiology internship and surgery internship, and I was accepted at both of them. And then the two guys, the head of the directors of the department, they called me on and call the three of us and they say, which one do you want? And then I then I chose anesthesia and then I got anesthesia. So, uh, like I was very fortunate uh, in that sense that I was able to 
choose. I never went through what I see students. I've had so many scribes now through the years, for example, and I see them suffering through that process of what they're applying. You know, they have for each residency. Well, first they have like to write a bunch of stuff for one single big, big uh, funnel. And then after that funnel, then they have to write so much for each other funnel and they have to spend so much money applying for each thing. And then you know, if anything, COVID helped with that process to some extent, doing a lot of these things virtually. So they did not have to necessarily travel, you know, so much going to these places and also spending that money in terms, you know, when we're talking about money, um, I think it takes away from the experience because then they start doing these things in group interviews and all this stuff, which was a little bit different. But in terms of, of the financials of it, for my time, I was very fortunate and I truly feel for the new generation. Like it's so, so difficult to apply to medical school these days and it's, it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is. But luckily in your case, you didn't have to worry about that burden and you're here in the U.S. and, and you start practicing. When, when did you start getting involved with masterminds and or writing for books? You know, walk us through your journey once you've transitioned to practice. So the book writing was more medical. I've been editor, sub-editor sub from some books and and uh, writing some chapters and everything was medical because when you're doing academics, which I did academic medicine for a period of time, you're expected and required to, to write uh, some. They received so many requests that you can write like tons of stuff. So uh, in the very short period of time that I was there, I really was able to write. And I was, I'm very grateful as, uh, again for that. We are working on our book for our mastermind. It's going to be hopefully next year. Um, at the end of next year, we're going to hopefully have it. And the mastermind came much later, actually came as a result of COVID. <laughs> it's a side effect of COVID because what happened was when I went into very early on, I think around May, 2020, I went onto um, quarantine. And then during the quarantine, then I started reading and educating myself. I said, I found this thing, what's a mastermind? It's like, I want more of that. And I want a mastermind. And then we were able to get groups of people interested in the mastermind. And then not only the people who participated as members of the mastermind, we were able to get all these coaches, amazing physicians who were very successful, come and teach us about all the different things to the point that we've been able to duplicate that and we've developed a, a curriculum because there were some knowledge-based knowledge that everybody had the same questions so we've been able to develop that curriculum and now we're running that mastermind. So it's been really since 2020. We're on our second year now. So, I mean, really, uh, for people that don't know this term, Napoleon Hill was kind of famous for this book, Think and Grow Rich, that introduced the, co- the concept of a mastermind, which was essentially business people getting together and trying to solve problems. So Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, uh, F- Harvey Firestone, the tire guy, they kind of all got together regularly and built really close relationships with one another, you know, became, became like a brotherhood of sorts. I think they actually, you know, that you're, you're mentioning all these names. I remember going to Jekyll Island here in Georgia yeah. and they have Jekyll Island has all this hotel with all these houses that belong to all those people. So I'm pretty sure a lot of those meetings were held there. I don't have this as a, I don't know this as a fact, but you know, it makes sense, right? Like they would go there to have fun and learn about business. Fun, fun fact. Um, there's, there's a book called the creature from Jekyll Island which is about the creation of the Federal Reserve. 
So the Federal Reserve was actually created by meetings of bankers and government people on Jekyll Island. So there you go. Now it's confirmed. <laughs> yes, yes. Which th those three weren't involved with it, but anywho. But you can also do a mastermind for other things. You can do a mastermind for you know baking. If you want to build the best cake, you want to make the best cake. So, you know, it's, it's people getting together also. It's, it's mainly for business, but you can do it like for whatever you want to study. You can get a lot of people together, think about something like a think tank and then uh, learn and progress in, in financial or baking history. Well, and it's really, um, I mean, there's so many different kinds. There's kinds that are paid ones. There's other ones people um, just get together, you know, with like-minded folks and it, it's free. You know, it really depends. And I've done both of those things in, in my business career of all sorts. And um, sometimes, like you mentioned, there's guest speakers or you're learning from somebody um, along the way. I guess with with this mastermind that that you're running, Mirdalis, what uh, what's what's the objective? What are you guys trying to do? What kind of people would attend this mastermind? So we mainly see physicians who are overwhelmed with the system. Some of them are really in burnout. And what we do is that we teach them different skills through entrepreneurship as a tool to overcome that and take control of their lives again. So that they can really, as we say, we have a podcast which is called Design Your Physician Life, which is in support of our mastermind. And it's like that you can, you have, you have to acknowledge that, yes, you can design your physician life. And these are some tools that you can have and apply so that you can get out of your situation and then be successful as a physician or, you know, as a human being. Awesome. I love it. So is it, are you guys getting together once a month? Is it bi-weekly? Is it quarterly? Is it, you know, a couple times a year? How many people, you know, give saying on what that is like. And now a commercial break. Well, my friends, you have probably heard I am now a completely independent financial advisor. And, and as the time that uh, I, I am recording this, the stock market is down. Now, there's a lot of question in terms of where is the market going? Where should I be investing my money? There's no better time than now to get a review of your portfolio and make sure that you are set up properly. As a matter of fact, tax season is around the corner too. Maybe you're looking for some tax, tax strategies and hints and you want someone to talk it over with besides your CPA. Feel free to give my assistant Kyla a call at 612-284-2409 to set up a free 30-minute strategy session with me. Again, call 612-284-209 to set up a free 30-minute strategy session with me. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. And now back to the show. So actually, our masterminds are a little bit more frequent than that. They're weekly masterminds. So we meet once a week for six months. And what happens is that we're going to have an onboarding process where we're going to get to know each of us, you know, in detail, in depth. And we're going to help whoever comes design, you know, determine their vision, what their vision is for their life. It can be personal. It can be for a personal change and it can be for a professional change. But regardless, everybody's going to learn entrepreneurship. And we focus on six pillars. One of them is, you know, determining your vision. The other one is well, mindset because everything starts with mindset, right? We have to change. I just interviewed somebody and we were talking about the, the medical mindset. And um, you can call it different things. You can, you know, we can talk about growth mindset and, and uh, fixed mindset and all this stuff. But the important thing is that we understand 
that there's changes that we can make. And that's not always easy as a physician because we've been taught all along what we have to do. And then we are so frustrated when we're not able to do what, you know, there's so many layers between the patient care and what we want to do to them that it's just, you know, overwhelming to the physician. So we work on the mastermind, we work on the well-being of the physician wellness, and we work on the lifestyle. And then we get into finance, covering those topics that nobody taught us in medical school, and the business, how to develop a business. So if you have an idea of a business, you come here and you develop that idea. If you have no idea of what to do, you come here and you get an idea. And at the end, you live with a 90-day plan that you're going to you know, you're going to start and we can, we have people who start like right away and they're very successful from the get go. And we have some others that takes time and then they do ideas, but we see amazing transformations. We have physicians, for example, who started like with just the idea. And then within a year and a half, you know, part of those six months of that was our, our mastermind that they have access to do businesses that are, are going to give them within three to six months, what they normally make on a year and more we've had that. And then we have some others where what they wanted was personal change for their lives. And they were able to obtain like access to six more hours a day, every day with the changes that we implemented. So it depends. And we have people who are interested in building products, people who are interested in building services or being coaches, having their clinics, opening their own, you know, changing from the traditional medical system with insurance to direct pay, things like that. So we're able to help them like organize themselves. And then from that point, make the transition in their life. There's no way back once you know these things. And who's, who's not a good fit for a mastermind? Cause it's not for everybody, you know, cer- certainly th- there's a select group of people that it's good for. Well, first you have to understand that this investment is investment. Yeah. You're going to pay some the money that you're going to pay for to be here. But more than that is the time. Like I cannot ensure you're going to be successful if you're not whoever is successful is whoever is doing the work for themselves and recognizes that you know this is what i need for my future right so first you have to be in that level of welcoming at least welcoming the 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 information and wanting to contribute also in the mastermind so you want to be somebody who's not just taking but also being able to share with others right then let's see somebody who's gonna really apply themselves. And I would not bring somebody who's already in the, at this level, there's different levels. Like when you go through medical school, you know, you can be a, a level, a, a med one, med two, three, four, then you have the residency, the inter, you know, the internship and residency. So every time you go up, there's different levels. So I would not bring to this mastermind, somebody who's already successful, who has a, you know, CEO of their own company and, and they're making so many millions a year, right? This is, this particular one is for somebody who's starting who either has an idea of what they want to do, but they need that push to be to started or somebody who has no idea of what they want to do, but they know that they want change for their uh, life. They want change in their professional and personal lives. Things are not going well and they want to understand what their sources, the the resources are. Uh, We're very fortunate when we have these groups, we have so much variety uh, in what people want that we all learn so much. We can learn about, you know, this one wants to learn about how this product is made and we learn about that whole process together and then it inspires others. Okay. You know, we're going to, um, do this and that. And then one of the things that you do in the mastermind is accountability. So that's a very important process. So it's not only coaching, it's not only teaching you, it's also accountability. Like what did you do from last week that you were, that you said that you want to accomplish? And that's why we have a small group 
So we only take 10 people at a time so that we can all support each other, be coached and be accountable to each other. Absolutely. No, that's, that's good stuff. And I think about the concept of a mastermind and it's really, when I think about it and when I've been successful, it's, it's really about the quality of the people you're with. You know, if, if you're with people that are going to push you, then that's a great group to, to be in where you're, you're not just going to settle for the status quo. You have people that are challenging you, people coming at something with a different perspective. And not that you, you are going to do what they're suggesting, but, you know, it helps to tweak your brain a little bit to rethink an idea. Masterminds really aren't that common in the physician world as much, with some exceptions here and there. Why do you think that is? Our education. You know, we've been like, we have these things. I was talking earlier about the medical mindset. This is the way things are. And that's what you have to do to survive in medicine. You don't necessarily, like the creativity that you need in medicine is basically about some algorithms, right? You don't necessarily need like to, the system, the way, the ways is, uh, the way that you're educated doesn't tell you that there's these other ways of thinking. Everything is about learning about the patient because everything is about that patient. It's not necessarily about your personal growth. Um, like, for example, in other professions, if you are a, an executive, there's so many executive coaches and so many people who go, and the companies pay you for all these things. But that's not something that has penetrated medicine yet. In medicine, is is this world around the patient and then the, with the evolution of, of medicine, what has happened is that physicians, in order to be able to take care of the patients, right, have given so much away that then all those people know what, you know, they know about masterminds, they know about coaching, and they pay themselves all that stuff. But the physician has been isolated. We've done that to ourselves as physicians, and it's it, that gap hasn't been field and tons of people don't know. I didn't know. And I've been practicing for over 20 years, what even, even what a mastermind was until 2020. What have you personally gained from, from these masterminds? You're like, I know for myself and having ran masterminds, I learn as much often as people that are participating. Like what are some like financial nuggets? Just for example, you mentioned finances is, is a part of this process, not the whole thing, but a part of it. You know, what, what are some things you've learned or some new strategies you can share with us that might be good for people to be aware of? Okay. My first, my, one of my favorite words has become fiduciary. And I learned that in mastermind. What was my life before a mastermind? I had a non-fiduciary financial advisor and this happened for so many years. And with that, it's like your house is your asset. And that's what you have to do. And then for you to um, to survive and do these things, I don't know, just by by maybe at the flea. I I'm I'm telling you real things that happened to me. Buy at the at the flea market stuff instead of buying you know somewhere else where other people buy stuff. So the guidance that we had through the years was extremely poor. It's all the result of our lack of financial education. Like what? Give 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 me an example. What's, what's, what was, what was something that happened? Well, that we then immediately, once we knew about the, the, uh, fiduciary, we immediately changed. Okay. Then we went to this group where they start with mindset and then you're talking, they don't even talk to you about financials. Like the, you, you think they're going to tell you whether to invest your money immediately and all this stuff coming, you know, uh, blind to this process. And then 
they tell you, okay, no, we're going to talk first about the things that you want. What would happen? What would you like to do if you died in five years? What would you have liked to accomplish? What would you like to do if you, you know, if you knew that you were going to die today? So it goes like from all that stuff. And then that puts your life into perspective. So then you establish your priorities in life. And then with that, then you go into establishing your priorities financially. And then that transition there and then understanding really that your house from, you know, your house can give you a lot of money, but most, for the most part, it's really not an asset. And that, that was this, uh, the mindset that I was living in before not investing. What, what are you going to do with investment bucket? How are you going to organize your money? How are you going to organize your, uh, your emergency funds? All these things missing forever and now being organized after we started with all these things. And I know that so many of us living like this for so many years in the darkness of that. And now what has a mastermind given me? Not only all that knowledge, that's basic knowledge to all, you know, my kids now who are 16 years old, that's basic knowledge to them, right? And so many other houses had that basic knowledge, but our house didn't have it. It's basic knowledge now in our house for our kids. It's going to be that forever for our generations. And it has also given us the people that you surround yourself with because you can have the passion, but if you're not surrounding yourself with the right people, if you're always surrounded yourself with people who are going to tell you, Oh, you shouldn't do that. Or you cannot do that. Right now we're really doing our dreams, but not that we're dreaming in our, in our dream bucket from the time, from the side of expenses we're leaving, we're designing our dream and we're living our dream the way that we want to practice medicine the way that we want things to give things to our children and uh, the way that relationships are and opportunities are and it's it's a total completely new world from the world that I was living in even though we've had business and we've been successful at different businesses we've sold the company successfully before and all that stuff but it was it, it gave us just that freedom of mind that the things that are possible and, um, and, and how many are there, you know, and that you can do them. And that push that accountability has made us being, making other people accountable for their actions. You know, you have to be accountable for yourself. It's like when you have a resident or a medical student and you're either an academics or private practice, when you're in academics, you have to stay on top of it, right? You have to be studying all the time and you have to be sharp. So it's the same thing here in the mastermind. Like you have to be sharp because if you don't, if you're not, then the people are not going to be wanting to be with you anymore. Right? Absolutely. No, I think, I think, um, you hit it on the head, Mayor Dallas. I think that's definitely been my experience and the masterminds I've been in. What do you think are a few things that, that people can take away from our conversation we've been having today. Maybe there's something that we haven't talked about yet that we should address or um, just, just something you want to give a message to encourage physicians. Well, physicians in general, for the most part, over 60% of us are overwhelmed with what we want to do. But most of us really want to continue to be physicians and practice under our own terms. One of the things that I tell physicians, if you, don't, if you don't have coaching, if you don't know what that is for physicians, try to look for that. Coaching will help you to get to the next level. It's like somebody who's, you know, to, to make a comparison for medicine, you know, as a physician, you're, you come somebody who wants to lose weight and they don't know, and then they come to you and then you help them and then they lose weight or, or they achieve their, their health goals, then you have a, physician, a, a coach to do that for yourself. Know that there's 
options. Know that you're in control. We talk a lot about these golden handcuffs and a lot of physicians who are just in these situations. We are the ones who chose that situation. You can always get out of that situation. It's not doesn't mean that's going to be easy, but what you have to do is look around. Look around who's happy. Look around you in the hospital, in your clinic, in your office. Why are they happy? And recognize that. I wasn't happy in my situation because I recognize I'm a very bad employee, period. I'm a very bad employee. I can, I, I really prefer to control the patient's experience the, or the client's experience, the employee's experience and my own experience. And I'm a bad employee, but some other people, they thrive in that environment because they love the transaction of it. And that's, that's how they are, right? Or they thrive because they have the ability to have a creativity or freedom somewhere else. So we have many physicians who are practicing physicians, but they have passive income and they have that passive income that they've grown for so many years. And when they come to work, they work for joy. They don't work for need. So as a physician, you can do all these things. You just have to find out. And where do you find them? You can either find them if you're lucky enough to be in the hospital that they still have a lounge for the doctors, <laughs> then go to the lounge and sit there and look at the tables and look, don't go to the table where they're complaining all the time. Go to the table where they're talking about fun stuff because the guys who are talking about fun stuff, that means that they're there practicing for joy, unless like they like to be tortured in this, in this system that we have as, as physicians these days. But ask them what they're doing, okay? Get coaching, look for coaching, physician coaching, masterminds. There's a few of us. So if you want to join us, ours is Max Salur, M-A-X-A-L-L-U-R-E.com. That's where you can find more about us there. And uh, know that it's possible. And take responsibility because don't be a victim. Don't let anybody else decide your future. Yes, that things are difficult with the government change. Yes, Medicare, they're cutting money here and there. Yes, the insurance is requiring the prior authorization. But guess what? These are things that you can change for yourself, either changing them, accepting them for what they are and your choices that you've made, or you make choices yourself in other things. And don't stay there waiting. Oh, that management, that, that administration, they came with this change. You know what? Be part of the administration if you want to stay there. Make the changes yourself. Don't be reactive the same way that we're, we're practicing medicine in a reactive way. And that's how we're living our lives. We should live lives and we should practice medicine proactively. We should do prevention. So if you are a physician and you want to change your life, you have to take control of it. How can you? Understanding first that you can. Number two, getting help. Joining groups with the right sort, you know, the right people. Stop, stop going to those groups where all they do is complain because then you become a complainer. Go to the groups where you see that they're happy. It's like, what are they doing? I want to go with the fun people. You know, I want where the people are happy. Why are you so happy? And if it turns out that they're happy because they're doing something that, yeah, that doesn't match with me, then look for another group where they're happy and then join them and look for people who are like-minded, who are successful, who are happy. And then you take control of your life like that. I love it. No, great advice. Great thing. And this can, I think to some of us, which I would have put myself in this camp, I don't know, eight or nine years ago, this can sound very woo woo. 
This is not like hard numbers, tax strategies, you know, the real estate investment stuff. And so for those of us that, that are more numbers nerds, um, th- this can seem kind of like salesy almost to a sense. And I'll tell you that there's different groups, different approaches, and um, it's really about you know, are you the kind of person that wants to grow outside of medicine is really what this is about more than anything else. And this is an opportunity to, to do something like that. And uh, I'm not part of Mir Dallas's group, but I can tell the spirit and the heart is there. And if you are someone that's wanting to get out of medicine eventually or work less in medicine, you know, this could be something to consider. Or work happy in medicine. Like we want, we want good doctors to take care of us because who's going to take care of us if everybody lives? So... You want to work for joy. Whatever you do, in medicine or outside medicine, the point is that you can do it. And Mirdalis, if people want to find you, they want to reach out, want to find out, where can they do that? Well, we have the podcast called Design Your Physician Life in all the platforms and uh, Design Your Physician Life. And then uh, we also have in social media and, and we have our Max Allure Mastermind. It's maxallure.com, M-A-X-A-L-L-U-R-E.com. Max Allure. Awesome. Love it. Mirdalis, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, my friends. Well, that wraps up another episode today of the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast. Remember, my friends, remember to slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. Well, thank you, my friends, so much for listening to the last podcast. I am pleased to announce that I am now a completely independent financial advisor, where to the point now I can really integrate my financial planning practice with this podcast. If you might be looking for help, if you have found any of our information here interesting or relevant and you're looking for a second opinion, I'm making myself available for 30-minute strategy sessions. And if you want to arrange a time to meet with me to discuss your situation and see if we might be a good fit for one another, I'd like you to call our office and speak with Kyla. Our phone number is 612-284-2409. Again, that's 612-284-2409. And I look forward to helping you with your financial situation. And now for some lovely legal disclosures required by our lawyer friends. Investment advice is only offered in jurisdictions where Centurion Financial Strategies, LLC, Centurion is appropriately registered or exempt from registration. Our Form ADV Part 2 brochure can be obtained free of charge at advisorinfo.sec.gov by searching for our firm name or its unique CRD number, which is 316-454. This podcast is not a solicitation to provide advisory services in any jurisdiction which we're not appropriately registered or excluded. The information, statements, and opinions contained in this podcast have been obtained from or are based on information obtained from sources which we believe to be reliable, but we do not warrant or guarantee the timeliness or accuracy of such information. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as personalized investment, tax, or legal advice. Opinions expressed by any guest are their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the firm's views. You should carefully consider your own financial circumstances and needs prior to making any investment in securities or purchasing any insurance products. As always, past performance is not indicative of future results. Investing in securities or really anything else involves the risk of loss. If by some 
chance in this particular podcast, I mentioned insurance products. Insurance products are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of an additional insurance company. They may be subject to restrictions, limitations, and early withdrawal fees, which vary by issue. You should always consider the charges, risks, expenses, and investment objective of any insurance products before entering a contract. And that, my friends, wraps it up. Wish you all the best. Feel free to contact us with any info at www.davidenniston.com. Thank you so much and have a good one. Bye-bye.